The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Jason Bryan from the Short Time Wrestling Podcast and founder of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and operated, and those opinions presented and expressed may not reflect others, the sponsors, patrons, or the parent network. Find more shows about the greatest sport in the world at the Matt Talk Podcast Network at matttalkonline.com. I'll rip your arm off. You what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Why is it called the five-point move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that want to win. We've got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com, co-host Dennis Hall. He's not on board for this one. We'll be back in the next one. But we have a return to the two-guest format. Up first, and he's right here, is Armed Forces Gold, multi-time Armed Forces Gold, U.S. National Team member Luke Sheridan from the Army. And Luke is here to discuss, among other things, the challenges facing military athletes, in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, lockdown, not being able to get on the mat, we released this week a very expansive article kind of exploring a lot of these issues, and Luke is here to kind of walk us through that a bit more. After Luke is someone who's kind of like a Greco folk hero in the United States, and that's Corey Hope, who discusses, I don't know, a, a bunch of stuff. Wrestling is wrestling, that whole paradigm. I bring that up with Corey right off, and then there's a stream of other stuff. Coronavirus, masks, restrictions, kids going to school, Corey practicing with actual wrestlers. It's uh, quite a segment. But first we have Luke. Okay. Luke, you saw the article. You saw that it was broken down into sections. There was the section just kind of detailing how military athletes, Army, Marines, really kind of specifically, aren't practicing with out restrictions. There's no wrestling involved. There's no pummeling. There's no parterre. There's no nothing. So that was one section talking about the lack of actual wrestling practices and kind of filling in those gaps with strength and conditioning workouts. And then the second section was talking about the fact that we've had, you know, a short string of senior national level camps featuring many national team type, world team type members. And once again, Army and Marines can't participate in those. And then, of course, the last part was hitting on the U.S. nationals scheduled for October, which at this point it's probably a maybe a 20 to 30 percent chance that you guys even participate it looks like so what i want to know is first off you saw the piece do you think anything was missed no i mean not at all i thought you know especially some of your numbers and stuff as far as how many i know there are six world team members right but you know how many national team members you know make up you know, you know, suppose we'll team USA to 30 people. Um, it, I, I mean, that kind of put in perspective, right, of how connected it is that us 
you know, uh, Department of Defense athletes are not on the mat right now. Well, if you look and you see, that's the crazy thing about it is because the camps for the seniors. Now, it's not all national team members, obviously, but if you look, the majority of them either are current national team members or were somewhat recently. And so, like, you look, <laughs> you look at 2019 and 12 out of 30. U.S. national team members are military athletes, six world team members. And I thought, to be honest with you, one of the more important statistics in that little group was the fact that 22 military athletes are qualified, are qualified for the Olympic trials. Yep. I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of interesting when you put it into the numbers like that, right? Especially when they kind of crack down a little bit on the qualifications and this and that. They want less athletes for TV, blah, blah, blah. And then you come out with those numbers. And I think that puts it even more in perspective of how important the Marine wrestling team is, the world-class athlete program is, and even a couple of the Air Force guys, of course. Right. Because, and there's Brandon Mueller. There is, uh, uh, of course, Alex Mossing and, Deontay Cooper at Deontay, 97. Deontay Cooper at 97. And so it's just, it's so weird that we're, we've gone, we've gone crazy this summer over peripheral issues surrounding wrestling. Like, you know, Greco's not included in this card, women's freestyle not included on that card. And, so on and so forth, and this style's not getting the same coverage, and it's like, okay, super, fantastic. But we all know here, recognize that in Greco, the military is responsible for just about half of our accomplished seniors, and none of these guys have the opportunity to even do a live go, at least, you know, at least not as of mid-August. And that's starting to seem like a problem to me. I didn't a month ago because a month ago you're looking at it through a different texture. But now it's like, hey, there's a national tournament in six weeks. Yeah, I mean, especially if you kind of think about, and I think, and I hate talking about them, the dang ninja squad. If you think about 60 and 67 kilos, um, 60 kilos is basically in all WCAP Olympic trials. And none of these guys are, are training, you know, uh, physical contact right now. Or if you think of 67, you know, you got Ellis Coleman, you got uh, Sancho already sitting out. But on top of that, you have all the Marines as well. So I'm thinking to the two bottom weight classes that we already have qualified. These are goes 100% going to Tokyo. And none of them are freaking on the mat. You know, when you think about stuff like that, it's kind of mind blowing. Especially, you know, I read, you know, your Monday roundup or whatever and, and you know, this country's back on the mat. This country's back on the mat. This country's back. You know, it's just like, dang, all these guys are, are on the mat. And some of them aren't even qualified at those weight classes yet. Our guys are. And we're still not on the mat. Yeah, it's really disconcerting. It's it's funny because, you know, there's a certain portion of five-point content that is tuned towards international but with the COVID stuff over the past, I don't know, I'll say April is when, like, it became, like, a conscious editorial decision to where in each Monday roundup we would start 
illustrating which countries were at least beginning to go outside and do exercises or whatever you want to call it. Take those initial steps back into, you know, their training schedule. Yeah, just kind of show hope, right? Like there's other parts of the world that are starting to kind of crawl out of this. And then you fast forward, not even a month. It was in, I think, early mid-May. And Bulgaria was having a national team camp, like a full-on national team camp. Turkey's had, like, two. Uh, Germany's back on the mat. Croatia's back on the mat. Um, Serbia's back on the mat. Italy, I believe, is starting to do stuff. Japan is back on the mat. Like, it's like all these countries are. And it's okay that we're not. That's not even... That's not even my total point here. It's just that, right, we have four out of six Olympic categories qualified. Some of these countries, these, like, you know, supposed powerhouse countries, have, like, two wrestlers qualified, maybe one, whatever. And they're, like, zeroing in on, you figure, March and their continental qualifiers and stuff like that. It's like, hey, the U.S. already already enters the batter's box with two strikes already. And it's really kind of crazy that since we kind of come at the international level with a bit of a deficit, we're not even in totality, like close, close to being where we should be in so far as preparation for, you know, the most important year of the quad. And I mean, when I, when I, when we talk about this out loud, right, you know, these thoughts go through my head, but when we talk about this out loud, we talk about, you know, the USRSN schedule, the USO or national championship, whatever the heck they want to call it. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a little selfish and thinking Greco mindset only, but like we said, we already have four of six weights qualified. Some of those guys haven't been on the mat yet, yet you're pushing them to go in. I mean, I would assume the guys sitting out aren't going to, but still, you're pushing this concept of competing, knowing that we're not on the mat. Now, you're putting us in a position to make a decision, right? Which, I mean, we're all adults, so that that's not too much of the issue, but it's more the, the thought concept to me, right? You want us to go compete at this tournament knowing we have not trained, are not able to train at this moment, and you want us to come out for this? Like, it just, it's almost mind-blowing when you look at the statistics of, of all the WCAP and Marines and Air Force guys that are, are qualified for the Olympic trials, like you said, and what they want to happen. I don't know. It, it's confusing. <laughs> I don't know another word for it while trying to be respectful to our national governing body. Okay. Well, here, I know you read the article, but let me read you Michael Hooker's quote, because at first I, I didn't know if this was going to sound too critical, too damning, if that's a, a way to put it. But I think he kind of encapsulates that sentiment really, really crisply. Um, I'll read it to you right here. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, he just like said it. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he just like put it out there. Hope Daddy's very straightforward. <laughs> Hope Daddy is definitely straightforward. Yeah, like, I mean, he articulated this extraordinarily well. Um, I was surprised by the timing based off of knowing who is actually incorporated inside the organization among seniors, such as Army and the Marines. The Marines are one of the main sponsors of USA Wrestling events, and USA Wrestling knows that they aren't even allowed to wrestle yet. Plus, 
the army has won a lot of national events. So it's like, how are you scheduling a tournament when the team that sponsors you isn't there and the team that wins the tournament isn't even on the mat yet? We don't even know when we'll be on the mat. So how can you schedule this without your two major players, especially when people cannot even practice at the Olympic Training Center yet? How are you scheduling a national tournament with all this going on? And then he adds, and it's not like they don't know these things. They are in contact with people every day, which speaks to your point here. (laughs) I'm enlisted. Hooker is an officer. That's an officer articulating my thought right there, which I use hooker quite often for that, but sorry. (laughs) Okay, so, right. He goes and... I I don't think any of the Marines would have been afraid to say something like that on the record, certainly. But at the same time, Hooker went, and I thought that was a, I don't want to say a risk necessarily, but I mean, at the same juncture, I don't know if he's going to get looked at sideways for just being so blunt with it. But it's true because it's like, you know, the United States Marine Corps is a big sponsor of huge events, right, for USA Wrestling. There's that tie-in, that natural tie-in, not to mention our national programs been very welcoming of the Marine Corps into every little divot of the Greco national program. And then there's the Army, which, you know, on a year-in, year-out basis is winning the nationals practically, uh, putting guys on teams and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, well, so at the very least, we recognize these are two of our power programs within the sport. Our national team is made up of half uh, half of our national team is made up of these guys and there were six out of 60 percent of our world team was but yeah let's go schedule a national tournament when it's almost a safe bet that either both of these squads will not be there or even if they are they will be represented at 20 30 percent capacity so what are we doing here i mean on top like i said when I read the article, of course, but when we say the numbers out loud, it's mind-blowing. And then that quote from Hooker just, I mean, even blowed my mind even more. The concept that they're, the Marines, you know, the the sponsorship, whatever the heck it is. I mean, I completely forgot about that whole sphere of what we're talking about. What do you think, I mean, we're hypothesizing here, but what do you think the principal motivation for scheduling the national so early was for USA wrestling. I mean, I would like to think they scheduled this out of hope, right? I mean, I, I, that that's honestly, you know, they're hoping that this was all going to have some fairy book ending maybe where we're all there and everything's back to normal and this and that. And I would like to think that's why they scheduled it. But I, can, I honestly can't, even begin to ponder why why they would put it at that point i mean have we ever had a nationals in november i know olympic years we do december you know of the previous year technically but i have no idea coach spencer mango used the term rushed does it feel like it's just plain and simply rushed to you yeah definitely i mean I don't know. I, I, I try to look at the positives of it, right? I mean, I know it's easy to kind of harp on the negatives of it, but it's definitely rushed at the same time. I know for us at the world-class athlete program, 
every week we're coming up with new procedures now hoping to get on the mat. So now that there is this supposed nationals, I don't, is it called nationals? Is it called the US Open? What the heck is it called? Nationals. Okay, this supposed nationals, I'm putting air quotes just so you know every time I say this word. <laughs> this, you know, the supposed nationals is putting pressure on our command staff to start listening to us to this concept of, hey, we need to be on the mat. You know, so that's the positive I'm taking away from this because I said, I've had this exact same conversation with my father and I'm like, this is crazy. I would freaking love to be there. If I go, I'm going to get hurt. I said, but hey, we're talking to the bosses about trying to get back on the mat. He's like, there's a silver lining, bud. He said, now you guys have pressure on them. You know, hey, we need, we need to figure something out. We can't stay off the mat forever. It is impossible for what we're doing. You know, how can we do this? Now that there is this air quote nationals, what can we do to get our guys back on the mat ready? Because the competition world is going to start going. Okay, so I don't know how this would work in terms of regulations. I don't know if, I don't know, uh, you know, the red tape, the paperwork, the bureaucratic kind of just, I guess, chaos that would ensue from trying to institute guidelines on your own. So I guess what I want to ask is with the camps that are going on that let's say that Herb House has played a major role in organizing, they've required athletes to take tests. And if they're around anybody who exhibits any sort of symptoms, I think if they're around somebody who merely sneezes, then you got to go and quarantine yourself if you're even thinking of attending one of these camps, so on and so forth. But what I wonder is, like, wouldn't this – screw wouldn't. Isn't this plausible to go to practice at Fort Carson if everybody gets tests within a reasonable time frame and even go so far as to have your trainer or one of the coaches or whomever before you walk into the room, like, do a temperature scan real quick – like, I mean, that's what's gone on. And first off, that's what's gone on in other countries. It's what's gone on in other wrestling rooms in this country. This It doesn't seem very invasive or anything like that. Now, I don't know, obviously, what, you know, what the stipulations would be involved with WCAP, the Army Department of Defense, when it comes to health and HIPAA or whatever. I don't, I don't know any of the red tape. It just seems like that's very common sense, like very easy to navigate. But then I get confused because Stefanowicz goes and says basically that it has to do with whatever the restrictions are for that locale. So for Camp Lejeune, that's Nassau County in North Carolina. You're in Fort Carson. I think that's what, El Paso County? And like, Yeah. So I don't know how it works. It just seems like this is this is a fixable solution. It's like, okay – we have wrestlers, world-class wrestlers. It's in the name, <laughs> okay? It's in the name. Guys, get tested. Do what you have to do. We'll take your temps. We'll do health reports, health checkups, follow-ups, or whatever. Before and after practice, we'll do tests once a week. I mean, this all seems like it's doable, doesn't it? Like, is, has that been discussed at all? I mean, it definitely seems doable. I mean, every day that we go in there, right? We, you know, like Max said, we're working out every morning. Uh, 
non-physical or non-physical contact, but we're working out every morning together as a team. And every morning, Kyle Ecker takes our temperature, and we have a certain, you know, the little questionnaire of, you know, have you been in contact with any blah 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 blah, right? So, so we're already doing those protocols as it is. I'm trying to think from the world class athlete standpoint. From our boss's standpoint, I think it's a little bit bigger picture, and it's really annoying because I'm trying. It, it, I want to be selfish, right? I'm, I'm with you 100%. But the World Class Athlete Program is not just the wrestling team. The World Class Athlete Program has almost 100, you know, um, 100 personnel to it. I think we're around 80 athletes right now, give or take, from any type of Olympic sport, right? We have wrestling, boxing, taekwondo, uh, track and field, modern pentathlon. We have all of our winter sport athletes as well. So what I'm trying to think is from the boss's standpoint, they might be hoping to really zone in on a solution because once you allow one of us to start training, we all will be training, right? So maybe, I mean, I hope it doesn't have, maybe a wrestler test positive, right? And now all of the world-class athlete program is on a different type of protocol. So I don't think that they're trying to figure out something an answer for everybody, which I think is almost impossible, but I mean, that's why they're the bosses, right? They're supposed to figure this stuff out. Luke, that's a great answer. I should have been smarter than that. Yeah, of course. Right. Because you're not, I'm I'm with you. Right. I'm with you. It's really hard. And to be honest with you, I mean, I told you my fiance is an ICU nurse. Her floor was designated the COVID floor for Colorado Springs. She's been a nurse for about a year now. So, Welcome to nursing. Here's a pandemic. Um, so it's really hard because I'm sitting here. They're canceling Olympic trials. I'm freaking out. And then she's going to the hospital and you know, I mean, people are dying. And it's like, oh, all right, maybe I need to put some things into perspective. Maybe I need to look bigger picture, which the world-class athlete program as a whole is a big picture. You know, it's a complicated and complex organization within the United States Army. There's a lot more to it than the guys, you know, you and I know and talk to and talk about every day. You know, like I said, outside of the wrestling team, you're looking at probably about, you know, 55 to 75 athletes varying on what point it is during the Olympic cycle for these other sports. So I'm trying to think, I know, I know our bosses are inclusive of all of them. There's a big picture here. How do us as a unit, as a complete organization, as the detachment of the world-class athlete program handle this on a large scale? Um, and luckily, I'm only a staff sergeant, so that's above my pay grade. But I know that's the concept that they're going off of. All right. Well, look, I wouldn't beat yourself up. I mean, you're a top contender for the Olympic trials. You're a multi-time national team member. You've been wrestling since you were a tot. I, I, I don't think that for you, you're swimming inside. I mean, you're swimming inside of the fishbowl here. I'm on the outside right. tapping on the glass. Like I wouldn't beat myself up if I were you. I mean, this, these are natural feelings, especially given where we are in the cycle. I, I would be, I would imagine I would be thinking along the same lines. What I think is really kind of interesting is that other than, other, other than Xavier Johnson, who expressed like a, a sense of optimism. Like he was looking at the nationals like, well, Hey, it's good that they schedule it. Cause it means there's hope and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you alluded to that yourself a little bit, but it's really funny is that everybody, and I didn't include everybody's quotes on this topic, but everybody aside from Xavier was like, 
the same about the Nationals. Just like, what are we? How are how are they doing this? Like, what what are we doing here? There's going to be like four guys in each bracket now. Right. Um, Probably not. Now, let I'm, me not say that. Let me no. not say that because then what's going to happen is there's going to be like twelve or sixteen or something like that. It's like, oh, Hans was an idiot, you know. But either way. But no, how awesome would that be? No disrespect to you. How awesome would that be if you know? Come October, you give me a call. Hey, man, I shouldn't have said it. I jinxed it me, but hey, it's all good. Um, but I, I feel like that positivity is, is something I try to focus on. Don't get me wrong. This pandemic has really tested my buttons. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, this Nationals gives us hope, like X said. This Nationals pushes us to hopefully get back on the mat soon. I mean, in this pandemic, maybe we weren't, be, weren't able to make physical contact and wrestle that way. Okay, how are you going to better yourself? How are you going to better yourself as a person, as a soldier, for me as a non-commissioned officer, as a you know soon husband, as a son, as a hopeful father, everything in between? How am I going to better myself while I can't wrestle? Here's the real test now. Now I'm off the mat. What the heck are you going to do, right? Okay, well, let's go in that direction, Luke, because a big part of this piece was motivation. I mean, I separated Max's materials. I, I even threw that in there in the intro. Like, hey, Max gave me like 800 words after transcription. And I was like, okay, well, uh, instead of using 800 words in an article, why don't we just give him his own piece? He hasn't been on the record by himself since January. But for you, I haven't talked about this yet Yet with. Okay. Motivation, Luke. It's like, yeah, I'm sure there's – I mean, Toby said it well. Toby Erickson, you know, you only focus on what you can control. Don't drive yourself crazy over stuff you can't, blah, blah, blah. Toby's just really super nice, super positive guy. And I know you're a positive guy as well, but Luke, I got to be honest with you. Especially coming off the last crop of years you've had, it must be quite something else to where it's like, okay, yeah, great. We get to go work out again, at least with each other. But at the same time, it's like you know that you're just going to be slinging dummies, doing weightlifting and everything else. Like, how do you keep your attitude up for that? I mean, I, I have different kind of, let's just say, posts I lean on for, for that motivation concept. Like I mentioned about my fiance being an ICU nurse. I mean, it's so hard to complain about what I'm complaining about at this moment, knowing right now she is working a 12-hour shift, 7 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. with COVID patients, right? And so, so one, that puts in perspective. Um, two, like I said, and, and it's been one of my goals in the recent years, and I think it's why I'm doing better on the mat and off the mat, is trying to better myself. So I'm looking at this as a almost like a test, right? All right, what are you going to do? I mean, Coach Lewis always says, you know, every night you go, you know, you look in the mirror before you jump in the shower, you jump in the shower, it's all fogged up, you wipe that mirror off. Hey, you're still looking right at yourself. Um, so what are you going to do to be a better person, to be a better wrestler in this concept? I mean, motivation, especially, and this is hard to come by. Max put it great in his, in his you know, solo piece he had. He said, listen, we're competitors. We have to. We have to compete. There is no way around it, right? I mean, we go, he, he lives about a mile down the street from me. We go to his place just to throw darts, just to be competitive and talk crap. I mean, we're hungry people by nature. So whether you got to find the motivation or, or have the motivation, it's, 
it's difficult, you know, and there was definitely some days I was down. There was definitely some days I was frustrated and whatnot, but I mean, at the end of the day, I look at this, I'm getting closer to the end of this test. This test started way before the pandemic, right? I deleted all social media about a year ago. Um, I started picking up books, you know, soon after that. Um, I got engaged. I'm trying to better my life. And that is being reflected by my achievements on the map, right? All these things, you know, going to bed earlier, eating the right things, you know, doing the extra after practice, all these things are all contributing to the end of this test. So while the pandemic is part of the test, it's not the whole test for me, right? It's just that crappy last essay question you got at the end. You know, and it's that one you just need to freaking punch through to get that A. Like, oh, man, I'm exhausted. This has been a three-hour test. All right, what am I going to do, right? So that, that's how I'm looking at this whole concept. Um, like I said, though, it, it's really a different perspective with, with what my fiancé does. It puts everything into perspective for me. You know, I'm just fortunate enough to be training again. I'm fortunate enough to pick up a dummy. I know it sounds funny. You know, it sucks. Yeah, we're slinging dummies. You know what? I'll take slinging dummies over sitting on the couch any day of the week. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You've basically admonished me with your answer. <laughs> Sorry. You know, it's something I'm passionate about. <laughs> How about this, Luke? You mentioned this to me a, a little while back. How about using this time as far as specific goals relative to your body weight to more power. I don't know. I mean, that seems to be a common thread amongst everybody is like, okay, like, let's say it's, you know, just more, more pop and torque on a side lift, whatever it is. Like, those are things that you're not usually able to really, really focus on when you're going to practice two or three day, three times a week. You might get your lifts in, but they're not as, I think, not as tuned in on one specific area, have you had the opportunity to use this space to kind of drive target, I guess is a better term to, I don't know, fit your wrestling style. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I think when I bumped up to 97, I got up there. Real not counting headlocks. Of course. Well, that's a little kid move. It doesn't work anyways. You don't <laughs> got to worry about those. But I think when I bumped up to 97, I probably didn't fill it in great. You know, we did it and I was there and don't get me wrong. It was awesome, but I think I could have done it better. So yeah, at this moment, I mean, I'm walking around 107, 108. Robbie Smith and I grabbed lunch today and, you know, he freaking grabbed me and made comments about how big I am. Um, I think at the level I want to be at, right. I'm one of the smallest guys in the entire world. I don't think there's a, you know, which I don't hate on. I mean, big trees fall hard. I mean, all those guys like to fall for little little kid moves anyway. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not putting myself down, but it is an area that I can improve on. So yeah, heck yeah, I'm lifting a whole lot. I'm lifting with Kobe Erickson, who's a freaking monster in the weight room. You know, we're getting our extra lifting four times a week, and then when we're doing dummies, Byers is sitting there working with me on lifts, guts, combinations, how I need to step, how I need to drop my butt. You know, executing technique that I'm going to be able to use now, now that I'm stronger, right? I always think of myself as, as I'm, I'm not the finished form of what you're going to see of me. I'm not my final evolution. You know, I, I was kind of thinking of myself, always be a student, right? Well, I'm always, always moving forward, always gaining, always evolving. And I'm using this time to one, 
get a whole heck of a lot stronger to listen to everything buyers have to say about, you know, my foot placement, the way I drop my butt, the angle my knee needs to be, where my head needs to be. You know what I mean? All these little things, like you said, now we can take a little bit more time. Now we can zone in a little bit more. And on top of that, I'm getting the strength and the size I need to go with it. Are you jealous at all of the seniors who have been going to these camps? Absolutely. Man, it's tough. Especially, come on, now Tracy's there. That, that's the guy I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for, right? That's the place I want to be at. He has the spot I want to have. Don't get me wrong. I love Tracy. Trace, I, I feel like we have a great relationship, though. He's not going to hail me. But, man, I want to be there. That's what I want. That's what I'm hungry for. This is why I'm evolving, for that goal of making that team and getting my medal, right? So, heck, yeah, it sucks. But, and I know you probably hear it too often, is, I mean, control what I can control. Do what I can do. Stay positive. Keep my mind moving forward. Like I said, what, what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to be a better student? What can I do to, to listen to buyers more? You know, these little things that I can con- do, that I can control to get to that end goal. But yeah, definitely jealous. It sucks. I don't like reading your articles about the camps. Just going to be honest with you. <laughs> Army WCAP is really well known for its closeness, for its level of communication between the coaches and the athletes. You guys receive news, info, and updates on a daily basis, not just because of the pandemic. That's just how Army operates, no matter what's going on at what other, whatever point of the year and everything else. Uh, what I'd like to know is, have you guys openly discussed a threshold, a cutoff date to where okay, if we're not practicing in full by this date, then we're not going to the Nationals. No. I mean, I, the coaching staff, because they, don't get me wrong, like you said, our communication is next level. We, The coaches talk to us every day, but they have not given us a date, I'm sure, amongst them, because after, you know, practice, when we're all showering up, or not showering up, because we got to get out of there, but, you know, when everybody's cleaning up and wiping everything down, the coaches are in there having their meetings. So I'm sure that they've discussed something along those lines. Um, but we haven't been told any hard date yet. Uh, last question that I have uh, is I haven't seen you in person in, in a little bit of a while. Uh, some of these guys are growing mustaches or whatever. Are you part of this click? Oh man. I swear if Max told you to ask me that. So Let's rewind just real quick. <laughs> wait, wait. Just, so I, just I got, for the record, Max did not. Max did not. He just sent me pic- He sends me pictures of his face sometimes. And so I've seen it, and it's like, okay, this must be a thing. So, so <laughs> I started growing my hair within the regulations of AR670-1 a little bit longer, and I'm, and I'm kind of going with the slick back like my, my dad has. Um, and Max was talking crap to me one day and he's like, Oh, watch out. I'm going to grow longer than yours. It's going to be voluptuous and (laughs) flowy and this and that. And I'm like, all right, game on, let's do it. So, you know, Max is growing his hair out. I mean, he's slicking it back and I I can't begin to describe what this guy looks like. All right. Um, so 
he ends up breaking mentally, call it what it is. He broke. I broke him. He cut his hair. Um, James Souza, JD Souza grew a mustache. Sancho jumped on board and then Max is like, Oh yeah, well I'm gonna grow a mustache. And I'm like, You're probably gonna break at that too. So Max is texting me two days ago and he's golfing and he says he's like, Man, I might need to shave it. I mean, I'm golfing horrible. It's I, I think it's a stash. And I was like, Wow, you're you're gonna break again. And then I guess he hit you know, he drove the best ball he's ever drove. He's like, It's staying. I was like, Oh crap. But no, I've not grown the stash. I'm supposed to, well, I was supposed to get married on September 5th. So I'm supposed to be getting ready for a wedding right now. My fiance is not the biggest fan when I have a mustache. Um, she kind of looks at me sideways and doesn't like to give me, you know, much loving. Um, so I kind of got to really like talk her into letting me do it. But no, I currently don't have a mustache. I wouldn't go for it. To be honest with you, I wouldn't go for it. Very few people look good with them. Very few people look like it fits them. You know, and Andy, you know, Andy's become synonymous with the thing and it fits him. Like, I mean, Andy's a handsome guy and it fits him in that way. You, you're a handsome guy. You don't need to cover your face with something like that. Max, first off, Max, when I had to do the, remainder of the q a with him last night he gets on the phone and i could like i couldn't kind of understand him and he like goes and i hear him adjust something and he goes sorry i've I had my mask on and i don't know if it interferes with my mustache and makes my voice sound weird it's like no that's not, that's not how it works <laughs> i've seen your mustache dude it, like it looks like like it looks like you're 15 and it just like facial hair has just started to kind of happen and it doesn't, it hasn't figured itself out on your face yet. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure when he picked up the phone too, he said, Hey girl. <laughs> no, he didn't. You know what? I was, he didn't, oh, man. I was not in the mood to play games. I was not in the mood to play <laughs> games last night, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but the, the mustache might come kind of like what you said earlier, the de- the world-class athlete program, WCAP's a special family. And you know what? I absolutely like look like an idiot with a mustache. But if I'm looking like an idiot with the rest of my family, you know what? It's worth it. It is what it is. That, that's the type of family we are. Sancho shaved his down into a pencil stash, um, which was one of the most magnificent things I've ever seen in my life. Um, but maybe I'll grow it out for the guys. If they pressure me enough, I mean, all for one and one for all. I'm for, I'm for the team, right? Let me ask you one question then. Do you have, to, even though that, even though your wedding had to be postponed, do you still? Are you guys taking any kind of? Maybe not in tux and gown, but like, are you taking any kind of photos? Uh, no, not that I was thinking of. But side note on this. Robbie Smith is actually marrying us and he had that beautiful mullet, which I told him he has to keep for the wedding and he shaved it. So now we need to remind Robbie to grow the mullet back out. Who wants to see that besides you? I do. Maybe the 200 people and my soon to be bride don't, but guess what? I do. I told him I want the mullet long enough that he could braid it with the beard. Represent your team or club with top quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from BarbarianApparel.com. 
Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by BarbarianApparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel, style everyone notices, quality everyone respects. Okay, joining me now is Corey Hope, one of the most read athletes on Five Point Move whenever there's an article about him or an interview or Q&A, whatever. Uh, Corey, it's a conversation you've brought up, it's a conversation many of us have brought up, and that is the conceptualization which says wrestling is wrestling. This is something that was a nice little topic of conversation for a day or two on Twitter this week. It's something we've all talked about myriad times, whatever. I happen to think that wrestling is wrestling is something that we have to say in the United States to attract nervous kids and parents to Greco. I don't necessarily think that it is actually reality. And I would swing you in here because the most common the most common response I have to it is like, okay, you say wrestling is wrestling. Well, I've w- watched what happens in, you know, Armenia. Like, the way that they do wrestling, specifically the classical style, comparative to the way we do it, is not the same. Like, and if you want to make that more disparate, you would say... Okay, well, watch two guys from overseas wrestle in a Greco match and then watch, let's say, an NCAA match. And sure, there's quote-unquote grappling involved, but it's very clear that these are different disciplines with different mechanics and different adherences to position and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. But uh, you have a tendency to be way more articulate with matters such as these, so I wanted to... uh, involve you what do you think wrestling is wrestling yeah. Corey, in 2020 2020 well i appreciate the uh yeah the uh the compliment but uh oh man i think it's a loaded question i think it's one of those things that uh to an extent like yeah there's like a base of wrestling you know like if you look at like usa wrestling coaching handbook stuff they talk about gosh i haven't looked at that thing and a million years since I got my bronze coaching level to coach at Fargo, but it was like, it has stuff like level changes and back steps and, um, and everything. And it's like seven basic I mean, skills. Could, yeah. Like the seven basic skills and everything. Couldn't name them all to be honest with you, like penetration, step, back step, you know, stance, change, motion, step. penetration, stance, motion, penetration, elevation. That's four. um, stance, motion, penetration, elevation, uh, back step and back arch are the last two, but I, I'm fuzzy on number five for some reason. Keep going though. Yeah. So, I mean, you get it. You're, you're a lot more, uh, see, you're articulated on that, but, um, <laughs> you know, so I think from that standpoint, you could say like, Oh, wrestling's wrestling. But I think when you really get down to the whole meat and potatoes and everything, you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it isn't, you know, I mean, like, you're right. Like you, you watch two, you watch two foreign wrestlers wrestle Greco and then you watch, um, two, you know, high level NCAA athletes wrestle folk style. Um, 
even if you compare folk style and freestyle, like, yes, there's some similarities, but then there's, there is a definite learning curve and some people, you know, do really well uh, at making that transition and some people don't. Um, and that's the same can be said to go from folk style to Greco. There's guys that have made that transition and do very well. Now, I think if you look back at it, some of those guys that have made that transition also had a pretty good previous base, um, in Greco. Um, and so it was just like the folk style was just the catalyst of their college career in order for them to like get through school or whatever their reasons were, um, save money, get an education, whatever it is. And then to then go back to wrestling Greco. Um, but no, I, I would, I would say that the whole wrestling's wrestling saying is, you know, like I said, it's, it's a, uh, I wouldn't say it's black and white. There's definitely a fuzzy area, but I wouldn't say that like anybody who's going out and wrestling, you know, 70% folk style and 30% Greco can go out there and do, you know, be the next, be the next world champ in, in Greco. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but if that's how your training regiment goes for a year, I don't think it would be, uh, I don't think it would be, you know, my, my I wouldn't put my money in that hat, um, you know, as the option. So, I mean, somebody that would be wrestling 70% Greco and 30% folk style, or whatever, or freestyle, obviously would I, in my opinion, just at face value would have a better chance. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be my, my piece on it. Not without getting super far and grinding an ax on this conversation, but yeah, that's, that would be my just general, um, superficial observation on it. Well, no, I want to dig down deeper because I brought up Armenia for a reason. You went to Armenia, you spent a good amount of time in Armenia when you were young and you weren't a moron when you went to Armenia either because you were already experienced in Greco, right? Okay. And, and even, and you already had experience against foreigners when you and Ryan went to Armenia for however long you did. Okay. So like there was training in Armenia the same as going to and from different camps here. I would think it probably was. Yes. Oh yeah, it's vastly. I'd say vastly different. Just you know, just the uh, just like some of the focus too. I mean, Ryan and I were there when not only were we there when they, you know, make, like when the whole save Olympic wrestling and like they were going to be removing wrestling off the docket. We were there for that, but we were also there for the uh, at the time the weight class shift and the the rule change. Um, you know, it went from. Uh, it, it, I think at the time we were doing, I don't think we were still doing the, the minute 30, 30. I believe we were doing the minute, I believe we were doing the minute and a half 30 or something along those lines, you know? Um, but we had changed it to it becoming, you only went into parterre if you, if you got a takedown, like, no, there was no more force parterre, um, for the, for a very short period of time. And, literally the only change like when that happened at the time i think like we were doing let's say we had a two two hour two and a half hour practice um and uh and you know on the mat and at the time it was like get warmed up you know do a bunch of drills and stuff get warmed up calisthenics whatever and then it was like you would do 
you know, two, maybe three, eight minute, like light drilling, which transition into like play wrestling to like a semi live, you know, goes on the feet. And then like we, you do some, you do some, uh, some live goes from the clinch. And that was really about it, like on the feet. And then you would spend the next hour and a half to two hours, you know, doing all parterre. You whether and it was very rarely was it just parterre skills. Now they like you do a few minutes of like, you know, parterre play wrestling or parterre drilling and everything to kind of get warmed up. And then after that it was just live. It was just live parterre and it was just constantly you're just constantly switching. So like in in terms of like how and then when the rule change came, I think they added like Ryan and I like even joked about it. They added like one more eight minute like play wrestling on the feet, if that. And like to them, the way they looked at it, and Arson even looked at us and told us because we'd said like you know you guys don't do a lot of wrestling on the feet. And he was like, why would we? And we're like, well, I mean, you can score on the feet now if you want to score on the feet and like get on top. You had to. And he looked at it and he he told us he was like, well. He's like, the way we see it is whether it's forced parterre or you're getting taken down, if you get taken down, then, and you can defend in parterre, then you're only down by whatever the takedown was, whether, you know, uh, whether it was a, a feet to back or it was just a standard like arm driver or, or whatever. Um, he's like, then you defend it. That's the only thing you're down from. He was like, that's really easy to come back from. He's like, but if you get taken down and you get turned once or twice, you know, that's a, that's a huge point swing. Um, and he's like very difficult to come back. And he's like, in the way we look at it as if you, if we get the opportunity on top, we're going to finish the match. And, um, you know, so it was like, you got for them. It was like, if you get, if you get taken down or you get put down, whatever the rule set is, you're defending, you're not giving up any more points. You're not giving up any more opportunity in what would be considered a disadvantageous position. And then when you got on top and the match, and so they were like, you know, this, this thing on wrestling, he was like wrestling on your feet. He's like, anybody could, could be passive and defend and stop people. If you really, really, if you, if, you know, especially a good wrestler, cause you know, you can stand there and basically not, not really engage and prevent from getting taken down or getting scored on. He's like, it's the times that you try and score and you try and engage where things open up. But he's like, if you really don't want to score on the feet and you don't want to get scored on, he's like, it's a relatively con easy concept to, to adapt to. And then but he's like, once you're in parterre though, different story. He's like, you're, you're, he's like, you're giving a guy, uh, uh, you know, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position when you go down and you're getting a very advantageous position when you go on top. So they looked at it as like anybody can defend on the feet, but not everyone can defend in parterre. And that would be like in your question of the difference between the camps that we go to around here and the camps that we go to out there, even just general day-to-day -day practice, we don't focus a lot in parterre uh, in the United States. Um, and I know like that would probably upset a lot of people and offend a lot of people because they think, Oh, well, we do a lot of parterre. It's like, well, let me tell you, like I lived in Armenia for, you know, four months, 120 days. And I did more parterre in that 120 days than I had done like my entire, like probably arguably, to my entire time up at Northern Michigan and any camps anywhere in the United States. Um, so it's like, any, you can get, I don't care who you are. You can get all bent out of shape about it, but I'm just going to, I'm just being honest with you. Um, and Ryan would attest to that. And I'm sure a lot of foreigners would attest to that. The ones that come here and do camps here. Um, it's just a lot of parterre. And 
so yeah, to, 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 to jump back to your question of is wrestling wrestling? No, because if I'm going in and I'm, and I'm, you know, wrestling with a bunch of, you know, high level D one guys, um, they're not used to bringing their hips in. They're not doing the same. They're, you know, they're not doing the same thing on their feet. There's different ways of defending, you know, um, they're not hand fighting like you would hand fight. And when you get on top and bottom, you ain't been watching your hands and doing a lift and a throw. Cause it's, it's, that's not what they do. And it's not a part of their rule set. So no wrestling's not wrestling. And, you know, you obviously doing freestyle would be, you know, a closer jump to Greco than folk style. Cause at least you'd have the, you'd have the aspect of parterre. And I remember Jake Herbert used to always joke and say that, you know, he's like, my parterre defense is my sprawl. Um, <laughs> you know, because that's how, that's how freestyle looks at, uh, especially freestyle in the U.S. as a whole looks at parterre. Um, if I don't get taken down, then I don't have to defend in parterre. But it's like, well, you know, at some point you're going to get taken down, and if you don't know what you're doing, you're getting turned like a top. And 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 that's just the end of the day, you know. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that wrestling's wrestling because we all we all have our own focuses. We all have our own um, small little. Uh, caveats that make the style the, the styles that they are um you know if there was no difference then we would have all one style and we'd all wrestle the same thing but we don't um so yeah that would be my long-winded explanation uh well parterre okay so that's exactly the tipping point because boy all right i think that from a marketing sense promotional sense recruiting sense saying wrestling is wrestling. It really bothers me, but I, I, I can see it from the way like Hall sees it, which is that something he'll say to kids who are maybe not familiar with Greco, haven't tried it yet. And he wants them to come to spring and summer practices, you know, Hey, yeah, listen, apprehensive. Appreh- yeah. Okay. Just possibly apprehensive about it. I, I could, I could attest to just like with the times that I've, you know, that I coach kids and stuff and, you know, or help out or go back to schools and help or whatever. And like, whether it's the, the athletes or the, the kids, they're either nervous about it or, or, you know, it's usually like the parents have like a mixture of, of nervous and like fear, you know, especially if it's like a kid that's, you know, sometimes you just have those kids that are just like a hammer in folk style and they, they got awful at freestyle or Greco. Um, and like the parents are afraid that their kid's going to be from all, you know, like a fragile crying baby because they're used to winning every tournament. Now they're getting piss pounded, you know, um, or it's like one of those things where like, Oh my gosh, like they're going to get thrown and thrown this and thrown there and off balances and lifts and this and that, like my kid's going to break up an arm or get a concussion since everybody's so worried about concussion. I know we discussed that one time before, you know, um, and my thoughts on the whole thing, but, uh, um, yeah, they were uh, very well received thoughts. Oh yeah, super well received, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I caught, I caught some, some heat on that, but I don't really give a shit. That's my pain. I'm gonna stand by it. So. Yeah, you see, but the thing is, is that I don't think we have to lie, and that's what kind of irks me. Is that <laughs> no? Like, I get it. You, yeah. You say, look, it. If you can wrestle folk style. You can learn how to wrestle Greco. 
Okay, you can learn how to wrestle freestyle or however we're drilling this down. You can learn, but making it as though these are just transferable across the board, these skill sets, I just think it's we're not being productive that way. We're not. This is not an indictment. I want to caveat by saying this, if I might. This is not an indictment on college Greco wrestlers, because we have a bunch of them in our program right now. And a couple of them them are very good, high-quality, all-American types. Okay? And it's like, okay, fine. You know, if you look at these kids, and we'll say, like, let's say Taylor Lamont, Barry Essa, um, Kuhn, okay? Well, right, but these wrestlers came up wrestling Greco. Uh, I, yeah, they look okay. at themselves sure. as Greco. Well, I mean, Kuhn sees himself as like, I, I think a wrestler in totality, but I mean, Berryessa and Taylor, for instance, see themselves as Greco guys who wrestle college because they like wrestling college and they have goals in college, but ultimately they would like to be world and Olympic champions. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Our teams throughout the eighties and nineties and throughout the, early to mid 2000s were vast majority of them fit that description. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. So I'm not trying to make it sound as though, well, this isn't a, you come from folk style in college and you're not going to be a good senior because you're going to be too behind the curve. Cause I don't believe that. And I don't think anybody reasonably does anymore. Yeah. I don't think anybody does either, which is like I was saying earlier, is like those guys that have made a good transition you know, nine times out of 10, I'm willing to bet that they all have, they all either consider themselves like a, like a Greco wrestler or well-versed in it, or they had, you know, they had age group experience. Yeah. Like relative age group experience and, and, uh, uh, just a, just an overall more than average general, um, upbringing in Greco. I mean, you look at like a guy like Joe Rao, like, I mean, you know, made multiple teams and everything at multiple weight classes and known the guy since, you know, early, early high school and everything. And it's like the guy wrestled Greco. I mean, we've been on a few national teams together at, in Illinois um, and everything. It was like, yeah, he went, you know, he went to, to Elmhurst college and, and, you know, got a national title and everything. But what did he do after that? He went right back to wrestling Greco. And I think if you asked him where he identifies the most as a wrestler, it would be a Greco wrestler. Um, you know, not to say that somebody who wrestles freestyle can wrestle Greco and somebody who wrestles Greco can wrestle freestyle or, or if you even want to throw folk style in that mix, people, you know, the whole thing, freestyle to folk style, folk style to Greco, whatever. Um, you know, so, but yeah, no, I don't think we should be lying and using it as like a, almost like a cop out to get kids into wrestling Greco. You know, it's all wrestling, wrestling. It's like, well, I mean, to an extent, yes, but to a larger extent, no. It's not. Um, no, Brazilian jiu-jitsu that, is wrestling. Judo is wrestling, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And you wouldn't, so, like, you wouldn't I, say, nobody makes that argument. Like Nobody says, like, oh, well, if you could do judo, you could do folk style. If you could do yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you can win a high school state title. Nobody says that stuff. You'd say it the other no. way around because it's true. You would say, hey, if you're a really good wrestler, you'll be really good in judo, and you'll probably be really good in jiu-jitsu because we've seen that for the last 20 years. But, like... I just, I don't understand why we have to do this. I don't understand why we have to like stand behind this, this misconception 
Like you could be truthful. You could be like, listen, if you can do this, you can learn how to do that. But it, the, the greater point is what you said before, which is parterre. And parterre is first off my favorite part of the sport, pretty much. Second of all, it's a very, 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 very specialized skill set. Okay. Now, just like keeping your hips in and navigating to your ties and changing up position based on situation, opponent, whatever, that's a specialized skill set. But parterre definitively is a specialized skill set in world national level Greco-Roman competition. Okay. It is. It's a turn or not be turned game, at least as presently constituted. Okay. And. That, I believe, and you alluded to this, that, I believe, is the hang-up. Is that very yeah. fact? Yeah, you know, and, and and like you said, I don't think we have to lie to kids and tell them to get to in the Greco. I was like, at the, at the end of the day, this is this is how my high school coaches kind of look at it as. And they are very big proponents on wrestling freestyle and Greco in the, in the offseason. One reason being that they're, they're like, you know, don't you want to do something different? Like, you wrestle with folk style for for months, you know, from, from, you know, the beginning of November, mid November, whatever, all the way until February and the, or, you know, in some States, March, whatever, but they're like, don't you want to like, do something different? Like you've just been literally, you know, week in, week out, multiple times a week wrestling in tournaments and practices and this and that and balancing the school. It's like, at some point, do you want to like do something different? But their biggest, their biggest point was always, it's not going to hurt. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not going to hurt for you to learn Greco. It's not going to hurt for you to learn freestyle. If anything, it's going to make you a more, it's going to make you a better folk style wrestler. It's going to make you more well-rounded, you know? Um, and I think that's very true, you know, because I, I don't think, and that's the thing I, for little kids that are like apprehensive about it, it's like, do you, do you want to get better? Like, do you want, like, do you want to improve? And like, yeah, you can do it without wrestling freestyle at Greco, but, it won't hurt, you know, it's like, it's not, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not going to be like all, like a huge negative, you know, there's more benefits out of it than there are negatives. And, and I think it would just be better off saying that than just telling a kid wrestling's wrestling. It's like, no, actually, you know, I think if you just wrestle, if you tried free sound Greco one, you might like them more. Um, I know I did. And two, um, It'll just it'll it'll make you more well rounded and then it'll make you a better wrestler. Just like you know, you could you can fight in the UFC without ever wrestling, but having a wrestling background, you know, makes you better. But like just coming into the UFC, just coming into the UFC as just a wrestler doesn't mean shit. They're like, oh well, you're just right now you're just a wrestler. Let's work on your boxing. Let's work on your striking. Let's work on your submissions. Blah blah. blah. So they're not just gonna throw you into the ring because you can wrestle. I mean, they used to, but they don't do that now. The sports evolved so much. It's the same thing with wrestling. Wrestling's evolved so much in every style that you know, especially for a young kid, why not broaden their horizons? You know, why not? You know, why not uh, uh, get them into to off season freestyle and Greco, you know, because, because at the end of the day, they're all different and it's all going to make you better. It's not going to hurt you, you know, to, to learn a few things, you know, in Greco or to learn a few things in, in freestyle. Um, so I, yeah, like you said, I hate, I hate the saying and it's, to me, it's, it's a cringe worthy saying whenever I hear it. 
Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a saying that currently plagues the regular, the wrestling community, especially in this country, you know, what would happen if you took Maxim Manukian and you put him in the Ohio state room, what would happen? Oh, super athletic too. I mean, Ryan and I had talked about this the other day, just because, I mean, just because I mean, we were around him while we were there, but I mean, the guys, I mean, the guy, he'd probably just go into the Ohio State room and try and just body lock everybody. And he'd probably know? land it. That's the thing. Even with them bailing and trying to sprawl out, like, I mean, he's a maniac, that guy. And it's like, you look at it and it's like, how many of these high level Greco guys, if you put them in a collegiate situation, Okay, where like they have to wrestle their style, not yours. Greco guy has to stick with Greco rules, but the scholastic guy could do whatever he wants. It's like what would happen, you know, with one of these uber level Greco guys? Take Vlasov, throw him in a room, throw him in Penn State, Iowa. What happens? It's like I think he probably destroys everybody. I think he probably runs them over. Yeah, I I I think he'd fare pretty well. You know, I mean, it's uh. I can't see him doing horribly, you know. I, I mean, I would also think that like there's just a uh, a pretty large gap in just understanding of like you know a guy takes a shot on you like fucking sprawl and scramble and all that stuff, you know. Like, um, and I don't think that I, I mean I don't think they'd go out and win like an NCAA tournament, you know, right away. But I think they I think they'd do far better than most folk style fans, which is what most of this country is made up of, give them credit to, to oh, do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, you're underselling. I think you're, I think that you're underselling. I think that they would do more than, I think, okay. Maybe it's because, hey, maybe it's because I'm, I'm America proud. I'm patriotic. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Okay. So can we, uh, how about this? Instead of me getting overzealous and saying that, you know, they would freight train the entire room. How about this? At the very least, they would all American. Oh, I could, I could def- definitely. I mean, for sure. Okay. There we go. There we go. Now we're now we're cooking here. Uh, Corey, what are the current uh, parameters for you right now, as far as training with the OTC guys? Uh, since the OTC is closed, I know that everybody was outside. I did an article about it. Uh, I know that you're still outside, uh, at, at least officially, anyway. Uh, but are you guys allowed contact outside yet? Oh, like contact, like being able to wrestle each other contact? Like pummeling contact, at least. Oh, yeah, we've been doing that for a while. Um, but I will I will go out on the limb here just for full disclosure, disclosure of honesty. Um, I haven't practiced with the OTC guys in uh, three and a half weeks. Um, I had, so let's see, the first two weeks, I wasn't allowed because, um, my girlfriend, you know, she works, she, you know, she works at a, an orthotics and prosthetics, um, facility attached to the hospital, uh, here, one of the hospitals here in town. And she had a pre-surgical individual come in and during their pre-surgical, um, COVID testing, they tested positive. Haley had seen that person the day before. And so. I had to quarantine out. Now, since it was indirect known contact, there's nothing listed in state mandate in Colorado or within the OTC's mandate, let alone like the food and board, since I do work at a bar and everything, it was kind of up to my, my 
discretion in terms of work and they wanted to just do what the OTC did. Um, but work basically was like, okay, well, if you're comfortable coming to work, come to work. So I did, but the OTC wanted to take a safe route and give me one week. And they were like, okay, well, you can't practice with the guys for a week. Uh, we'll come back, we'll reevaluate you have to monitor symptoms and your vitals and all that stuff. We'll come back in a week. We'll take a look at it. Well, that week rolls by and, um, they were like, well, um, you know, Muhammad sought more comfortable for me to not be there for that second week. Um, and you know, it was like, to me, I saw it as like a, uh, uh, I didn't take offense to it. Um, I didn't really voice much of an opinion on it, but I saw it as an opportunity for me to go and, uh, seek being on the map more. Um, since at the time, like we were kind of squeezing in to get into places, you know, hush, hush, whatever you want to say, closed doors, getting into places and going to MMA gyms to get on mats or going somewhere, rolling out mats, um, in somebody's basement or garage or whatever. Um, I took it as an opportunity for those two weeks to go and <clears throat> wrestle with, with other guys in actual, you know, humans. some actual humans, some people that were a part that are, were a part of, or, excuse me, that are a part of the OTC and some people that aren't, that are a part of, you know, um, nearby, uh, wrestling program. nearby. Yeah. Nearby, nearby wrestling individuals without having the name programs. I don't know what their, what their stance and regulations are. I don't want to put anybody out on the, on the limb here if, if they're not supposed to be on the mat, but, um, yeah. So I took that as an opportunity to get on the mat with, with real people and do some wrestling and specifically a ton of parterre. Um, and so for the last three, yeah, for the last three and a half weeks, I haven't practiced with the OTC guys in the grass field. Now, I, now, um, you know, for, for the last two weeks, um, I've actually been doing three a days where I was, I've been lifting in the mornings and then right around early afternoon, I'm getting on the mat. Um, and it's a mixture of, you know, play wrestling or technical stuff and some live and then, um, going to another mat practice, uh, you know, within an hour after that one ends driving up North and getting on a mat again and wrestling there and doing that practice is about 90 or 95% all parterre. And it's, you know, mostly live. Um, so I haven't, uh, uh, as, as we discussed before, I haven't stopped training since this whole thing happened. I've lifted, I've been lifting and I've been finding different ways to wrestle. Um, regardless if I was disclosing that information to medical personnel or coaching personnel, um, it was a choice that I made and a risk that, uh, some people, or I guess some people would say a risk that I decided to take, not that I see much of a risk of going and practicing with people or going out in public without a mask on. Um, so, uh, yeah, cause so I hope, I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoy that, that little tidbit of backlash you'll probably get from that one. I don't care. Um, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Haley, really... What about Haley though? Um, like, um, the fact that like you're doing all this and she works in healthcare, man, it was, uh, <clears throat> at first it was not too, it, it didn't hold too well. And I, and I know I've like mentioned some of this to you and I've mentioned it, some of it to, to, um, coach Dennis Hall as well. Uh, at first she was not a big fan about it. Um, and 
she's, you know, she kind of looks at it now as like, well, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people a day. And she's like, I haven't gotten sick yet. She's like, um, you know, it's like the, the Ben Askren tweet, I guess that he made, uh, that I, that I heard about was something like, he's like, I got a joke about COVID, but only 99.9% of you wouldn't understand it or wouldn't get it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, okay. But that, but that being said, what I'm wondering is, is, uh, have you, and her, but I mean, you, have you considered perhaps, uh, an antibody test? Uh, no, but I mean, I've, like I said, I've gotten tested a few times just because it was. No, you've gotten COVID tested. Yeah, I've gotten COVID tested, but I haven't gotten antibody tested, which I was getting to that. I haven't gotten antibody tested. And frankly, I mean, I'm not to be selfish. Not, I, I, what, what's selfish about it? Tell, tell me. I, no, I was going to say not to be, not to sound like a selfish prick or anything. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need a fun thing and some people need to die off as bad as that sounds. Oh not to say gosh, that I don't Corey, give a shit about people. The mask thing <laughs> not, was like, I mean, that was on the edge. Not to say that I don't give a shit about people, but it's like, come on, man. Like, at the end of the day, we all have to go back to our normal lives and stop wearing masks and stop being afraid because kids are supposed to be going back to school. Um, your kids shouldn't live in fear, um, and they should be able to go to school and socialize with people and with their friends and shit. And at some point, we're going to have to go back to something that's somewhat normal. And I'm going to tell you right now, if a mask can't stop a fart, it ain't going to stop COVID. And if, if you haven't, if you haven't found a, a, a vaccine or you haven't, uh, uh, or you're not going to take one or whatever your stance is on that at the end of the day, um, this is a, this is a, this is something that mutates, just like, like the flu, the flu and the cold mutate every year or every few years. Um, and, at some point, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And it's just one of those things. If this was the most deadly disease we've ever seen on the planet, then I'm sorry, but like, you know, I have family and friends that are, that would be considered super high flight risks for getting this and passing and they'd be gone and they're not, and they're still around and they're, I mean, let's face it. You can't, you, if you're not locking people up in bubbles and living like bubble boy, then, you know, it's like, this is this, uh, this is this is my rant about it. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. Just let your body can adapt. Let your let you know let some of these people get sick and be the antibody people or not get sick or whatever. And, you know some people are going to die off, but it's like I'm sorry. At the same time, nature's nature, and everyone dies at some point. Um, so yeah, so it's at that. Like I know it probably I sound like I'm sound, like I'm cynical and all this shit, but it's like at the end of the day, we all got to go back to our Listen, jobs okay. and our lives. All right, I w- w- here. I don't necessarily wavelength with that entire thing, but I'll say this, okay? I get I that. You know, it's, I, I it's understandable if you pause if you paused it for a little bit of that rant. It's fine. I get it. No, 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 no. Look, it, no. If for first off, that's what's killing this country is the fact that people shy away from others, the perspectives from others. Uh, yeah. But no, I don't disagree with the attitude i know as far as the uh, severity and danger of the sickness i i don't i i mean i live in new jersey i happen to know it's quite real uh we were surrounded by it um we're not nearly where we were 
in, let's say, April or May. I think New Jersey's uh, kind of turned a corner a little bit, at least seemingly so. Uh, I take the virus as seriously as I do. Um, I, I, uh, I understand. I understand when people were saying, especially come May, I understood when people were saying, Oh, well, people have to stop saying it's like the flu. It's not like the flu. And it's like, okay, it's not like the flu because the there's a predictability to the flu that is not there with this thing. Clearly not there yeah. with this thing. However, but like, yeah, however, the a severe flu might not behave the same way this thing does, but a severe flu could take out a healthy person. Oh yeah. Right. And it does every year. It does every year that we have a, ba- a particularly bad flu season. Every year there are stories about hey, he was a CrossFit athlete and 29 years old and blah 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 and he got sick and 2 days later they didn't know what was going on and then he peaced out. Like every year those are there are those stories with the flu. Moreover, as the father of two children, two years ago, 17, 18 flu season, I believe. Now, I'm not going to do what the the people who piss on COVID do, which is they'll say, yeah, you know, in that flu season, there were, you know, however, 90,000 people and blah, 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 blah. And like, it's like, I don't do that stuff. Like, I don't talk about it like that because. No, neither do I. I, I well, you just did, Corey. What are you talking not, about? Not really, nature not really. is nature. Like I was going to say, as an <laughs> like, exposure, this, this is, is the circle I know of I life. Said, I, <laughs> it is a circle of life. People die of shit every year. People die of driving their cars, and they're afraid to like do shit that's I, I don't, risky, listen, like going swimming. But I get you. Here's, wait, wait. Here's, no, 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 no. Let me. No, no. Let me. This is what I was going to say. Go ahead. Don't get mad at me. This is what I'm I was not mad say. at you. I'm actually laughing right now. Go ahead. Okay. In 2017-18 flu season, the New Jersey, New York metropolitan area, okay, it was a bad flu season, a particularly bad one for children. In fact, so bad that it killed about two two dozen and change of them, okay? And I've never been more scared in my entire life. Like, I remember the feeling. Like, every other oh, yeah. couple of days we were hearing, oh, you know, this seven-year-old in Hoboken, this nine-year-old in Sea Caucus, and, like, you just kept hearing it all the time, like – Kids either, well, yeah. if they weren't dying, they were going to ICU with that flu. I remember. And your kids, I, and your kids at the time were like two and six or, or whatever, one and five. Exactly or right. Or so, yes, you know? yes. So yeah, precisely. viable reason to be the, to right. Be scared. And it's like okay, but we didn't shut down the schools then when it when the risk to them was higher. Okay, the risk for kids, by all discerning evidence we have seen since January, February, the risk for kids for COVID is very, very low. And not only is it very, very low and lower than the flu, but they apparently don't even really carry and spread it. That is my problem with the school situation. Now, look, it, I could be a little off with this. Who knows? And if I am, I'm sure I'll get hate. But like... That's the part that pisses me off is because it's like, oh, well, just in case they can carry it and spread it to the teachers and blah, blah, blah. Look, I am not rooting for teachers to get ill and wind up in the hospital by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that we at least 
have, like, I mean, from non-biased sources from other nations, too, we have enough logged here that not only suggests but directly points out that kids, A, aren't a risk factor, at least not a big one, and B, they don't really carry it or have enough viral, quote-unquote, load to pass it on to others. Now, I'm not saying that's 110% true. What I'm saying is is that we're not even looking at it, okay? Yeah. And we are. We're not looking at it as, through the sphere of what's best for kids. We're looking at it what's best for the teachers' unions who are, in New Jersey, like the most powerful union apparently because they've basically dictated everything that's gone on since March. So, yeah. I mean – I don't know. I don't. The, the, I mean, what I would say is, if you're uncomfortable teaching at the school, then don't teach. They'll move somebody else in there. Um, life goes on, but like I was just saying, <laughs> full disclosure. Full, <laughs> full disclosure. I mean, it's, it's not like I, I don't care that people are passing and stuff like that. It's like it's sad, you know. And like to turn to turn something like this into like political out and everything that's definitely not my no it's unbecoming I would, to see I would, people living in exactly. fear and acting that way yes yes because i mean dude this country was not built on people being a bunch of fearful pansies man um you know i mean they were progressing out into the west you know some of those people that progressed out into the west were some of the hardest people this planet's ever seen you know and just fearless but like and this country was not built on the backs of a bunch of you know um like sniveling like scared little wieners like i mean it was no, people yeah, that they're, they're, that's the part Corey. see like here you and hall are very very similar on this topic i come uh, i come along where i see it i see covid i see the virus or whatever i see the virus as uh, like a very serious thing i do like totally do especially for yeah, adults, you, okay but i just don't see it like i see it as serious as like any like let's say 65 year old even would probably like, I mean, for all I know, it rip right through me. I have no idea. All I know yeah. is that you can't live in fear. You can't conduct yourself that way. No, you can't not in long term. You can't like, you can't you'll never live. You'll never, you'll never live a real life. You know what I mean? Yes. But, that's the part that's on I, the word I use was yeah. unbecoming. It's like, that's how I feel yeah. when I see people freak out on Twitter like, yep. oh, they want to open up the colleges, and oh, what are they trying to do? And it's like, oh my gosh, man. Like, listen, you don't have to do what others are doing, okay? If they open up restaurants in your town, and you think that's some kind of egregious crime against humanity, stay home. You don't yeah, have don't to go. go. To don't go to restaurants. And you know what? You just laughed at me for making that point, because that's what I said about it. You don't want to go to to school and be a teacher because you're fearful of it, then don't go find somebody else. But like, yeah, but it's, you know, also, like I said, you know, I'm not, uh, it's not like I want people, I want to see people dying and stuff. Cause it's sad. It's sad to watch people go, you know, um, personally, I can only think of one person that I know of that's, that had passed due to COVID and everything. And yeah, it was sad to see that individual go. I mean, they were in Illinois and I was out here and everything, you know, but he was a referee and he, you know, he'd been around, you know, Al Mitchell, he'd been around in refing from when I was in, you know, middle school all the way up through high school and wrestling at NMU and, and still currently refing and everything, you know, and it's like, it's, it's sad because yes, people are dying, um, you know, and that sucks and it's unfortunate. Um, 
you know, but like you said, you can't live in fear, you know, just because somebody gets in a car accident doesn't mean, doesn't mean you got to live in fear and you stop driving. It's the same thing. Like, you know, people die of cancer, people die of heart disease, you know, way more, way more than this, not to make this like a, like, like they're apples to apples. I mean, it really is apples to oranges, but like, that doesn't mean that people are in fear of going to a fast food place and, you know, filling their, their, their stomach up with fast food or smoking or whatever, or drinking alcohol or getting into a car and driving or any, you know, or anything like, I mean, you just can't, you can't live in fear, you know? <clears throat> so it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, <clears throat> not to say that like, Oh my gosh, like there's, there's people that are like, Oh, this whole Corona thing's like ruining my job. It's ruining my life. You know, and like early on before all these gyms and stuff were opening like Lifetime and, and, and you know, and like Bossa and all those other millions of gym um, brands and everything. But like people were like, I can't go to the gym and blah, blah. I get all my frustrations. I'm stuck at home. It's like, quit being a pussy and find a way to work out. Like I did it. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of other people around the U.S. as well as the globe did it. It's like, if you really want it, if you really want it, you'll find a way to go do it. You know, it's like laid a tarp, uh, you know, 11 by 11 tarp in my backyard and staked it down and, you know, um, for lack of a better phrase, stole a throwing dummy from the OTC when this first happened and was throwing that dummy around in my backyard, you know, like, so I had, so I had something to do in terms of wrestling and, you know, if I wasn't allowed to, to, to practice with people and everything, cause there was a little bit of time where like you asked earlier, Haley wasn't too fond of me practicing with other people and it had caused like a little bit of riff in it. But now that like she's, you know, she's been around tons and tons of people and she's seen a lot of the, the science and the data and all this stuff. Like right now she's like, she has a bad an eye to it. But man, it's like, if you, if you, if you really wanted to go and like, you know, <clears throat> get a workout in, like do something, I don't know buy a bag of 50 pounds of sand yeah, at home right. depot Absolutely. home depot it's like it's like it's less than four bucks you know it's probably like five you know after taxes it's probably like five bucks or something it's like buy a 50 pound bag of sand you know duct tape it to your head or something or your back and walk up a fucking hill do something like come on you know it's like shit man like like i don't know buy a bag of Buy a dozen bags of concrete, make a few, make a few rings and, and, and make your own plates and buy a freaking, a, a, a steel pipe from Home Depot. It's like you got your own gym for less than, you know, 200 bucks and it's going to last. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but Corey, like Corey, come out. on. Do you, what part, what percentage of the population has like your like skills and these kinds of things? Like who's going to like, they're not going to go not and build make their own necessity, man. It has nothing to do with skills. It's it's like the desire and like the necessity, you know, like the, the mother invention is, is necessity. And it's like, dude, go to Cuba, go to Armenia, go to, go to Goigo, whatever, like go to, go to um, some of these countries, go to Sofia, Bulgaria and stuff. And it's like, you go there and like half the times these places don't even have like weight rooms. And when they do, it's usually like, it's usually like in comparison to like, a lifetime or any other gym in the United States for, for a large majority, all their shit's either fucking old or it's made out of fucking soup cans with a pipe on it and a fucking 
filled up with concrete and a tire or something, or it's like, you know, it's a, or bags of sand, you know, it's like, and, 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 and logs and stuff. It's like, get it done. The, the Navy trained some of the, the, you know, the Navy SEALs trained some of the hardest military personnel in the world with body weight exercises, a log and a boat. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm sorry, but it can be done. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to have the skill. You don't have to have the knowledge, you know, and it's like, and if you don't have it and you might want it, go on Google, go on YouTube or something like you're stuck in your home and you're watching Netflix. Well, instead of watching Netflix, like read an article on like how to make your own weights or something. I don't know. Like read an article on how to build muscle with just body weight shit. I mean, if you, it, it, like I said, it has nothing to do with like skills or ability or anything. It's all about like necessity and desire, you know, at the end of the day. Um, Corey, are you, uh, I guess there's no reason why you won't, uh, particularly after this conversation. Uh, I would assume that you are a candidate for October if they have it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. It's just funny. Uh, no. Um, uh, it's just, uh, man, I look at it as. Um, I'm very interested to hear this now. <laughs> I know this is why I was laughing before I said it. So. There's no, first of all, I'm just going to say this, like UWW canceled all events for September and October. That's true. Um, so if you're international governing body, however, whatever political stance or whatever you think of Corona and everything, if your international governing body is looking at it and being like, well, we're canceling everything, then that's up to USA Wrestling to be like, well, we're going to just give them a middle finger and be like, yeah, we're just going to do it anyway. That's up to them. Entirely whatever. I think if, if we do have it, then it's like, like, hell yeah, USA go, whatever. Um, especially cause some countries never shut down. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no payout. There's no, there's, it's, it's not a, I mean, I'm already qualified for the trials, but there's no qualifier for, for, uh, for the Olympic trials. And it's not even confirmed that, these nationals um, in October are um, a precursor for anybody going to Worlds in December. And even if December, even if December happens, but it, just the way that I look at it as this is how I see it. And this is how it was kind of described to me. I'm not going to name names on who described this to me, but it's somebody who's uh, somebody who's involved with USA Wrestling um, uh, in, indirectly, directly, however you want to look at it. But, Basically, it's like uh, it was created as an opportunity for us to get back on the mat and compete, you know, as soon as possible. I look at that description as, and this is also how it was explained to me from this person, it's like comparing it to a pickup, uh, a pickup baseball game in in your, in your, your local, at your local park or cul-de-sac or whatever. It's just like, well, it's just a way for you guys to get out and be active. Um, or like just to get back on the mat again, it's a, it's a neighborhood pickup like concept and not that I'm against like going and competing and stuff. Um, cause as we've discussed in the past before, like I, I, I love to wrestle and I love to compete. And I love to challenge and everything. Um, but for just personal, personal decisions, um, and considerations, it's not, uh, it's just not worth, um, it's not worth me going. Um, and 
you know, don't, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have to, I, there's no need for me to have to explain myself into those personal reasons, but just discussing things with multiple coaches, um, family members, um, and, and friends and teammates and stuff. It's just not a, it, yeah, it's just not worth me going. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, there's, there's some other things that's a handful of us that have been training together, um, lifting and wrestling together for the past few months that we're considering on doing instead of that. And, um, you know, if, if that works out, we, we feel we'd get better, we'd get a better, um, experience. better adaptation. Yeah. Better experience, better adaptation, stimulus, everything like that. Um, better bang for your buck than going out there. Um, so <clears throat> no, I will not be going to the one in October. Um, is the short answer. Uh, September 2nd in Colorado, I believe, bring day for uh, Bo. You... For archery, archery elk season? Yeah. Is that uh, something you're looking How for? How did you know that? Because I'm not stupid. I didn't say you were. Your word's not mine. Well, because um... I, I know New Jersey's coming up, and uh, since I knew I was talking to you, I looked it up. Obviously. Okay, there you go. There we go. That's the answer I was looking for. Uh, what does it matter? Yeah, so Just answer the question. Are you going out the first day? Yes. I'm actually going out the day before. Um, <laughs> um, Glenn Naraka and myself are go- uh, both have uh, a mule deer tag and a black bear tag for um, for the same units. And so we're going out together on the first the season opens up on the second. The goal is to shoot something, to shoot a deer within, you know, uh, we say we're going to look for something, you know, look for like a, like a, uh, you know, a bruiser or bruiser, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't know. I, I just say, just, I just say a, a tanker, um, you either shoot dinkers or tankers. Um, and, uh, we say that we're going to hold out for something that's bigger, but after the first couple of days, uh, we'll shoot anything legal. Um, and then, uh, we'll hunt over the gut pile for a bear for the next few days. And then Saturday, we'll come back either Friday night or Saturday morning. I'll go to work Saturday night. And then hopefully at that point, we filled at least the deer tag. And then, um, right after that, we're going, um, either that week or the week after, um, going up to our spot where Myself, Glenn Naraka, um, Jermaine Hodge, and a few other guys who are unrelated to wrestling have um, have tags, and we're all in a group together. And we'll be going up there hunting elk. Hodge is going to be up there for the whole month, and we're going to go up there and try and fill our elk tags. Um, I actually just got done this past weekend going up with Hodge from Friday to Sunday. We went out, pulled some cameras, cut some film for. Um, you know, his website and like his sponsors and stuff. And um, yeah, and just got a lot of good footage, got a lot of, uh, got a lot of good Intel and saw some good signs, saw some good animals. And yeah, so yeah, I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so it's a, uh, yeah, I'll be going out. I'll be going up the opening day. So very nice. And looking forward to it all for the year, man, all, all year. It's a, uh, yeah, this is like this is like Christmas for me. 
even though my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, but this is like Christmas for me. So, um, I'm excited, uh, super excited. Like I had told you before, it, uh, I filled my turkey tag in May and everything on the last, on the last swinging day of the season. Um, so hopefully that's not the, uh, not the case for this, but if it is, that just means I had more days in the field and that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's just part of the experience, man. Just having more and more days out in the field, spending it with good people and in good country. <sighs> okay. There he was, ladies and gentlemen. That was Corey Hope. And look, I know that there are going to be a lot of people who do not really love what Corey had to say. Maybe they hate what Corey had to say. I know that there's probably going to be disagreement and everything else. And that's fine. I don't jive with everything Corey had to say either. I do agree with the spirit from which it comes, to be honest. I, I am completely aligned with some of what we were discussing, and I normally keep those opinions to myself, but this was a free-ranging kind of conversation, so there it goes. And to be quite clear about it, I do come off on the side of, we need to have these conversations. Now, okay, so Corey and I are not completely on the wavelength in totality with all of this stuff, but even if, like, we're not talking anymore, in case any of you have noticed, especially those of you who have social media and go on Twitter and go on Facebook and whatever, and it's like, people don't have dialogue, they talk at each other through the lens and guises of their egos, I mean, that's it. They're not real conversations. It's people adhering to whatever position, identifying so hardcore with that position, and then fighting off whoever disagrees. And it's toxic, and it's poisonous. And it's cliche, moreover, at this juncture. So, look, I don't, I won't blame anybody if they listen to some of what Corey had to say, and they get all, you know, you get all bothered about it or whatever. People are very sensitive, and... Uh, it's understandable right now. I think we're all kind of feeling the walls closing in. But these are things people are talking about, okay? A lot of athletes feel the exact same way Corey does. They just do not verbalize it. Corey's not afraid to. That's on him. That's good for him. We're being real about it. Good for him. And and you know what? Every In every other way, Corey is an exemplary athlete, exemplary citizen. He Guy works his ass off in every capacity, in and out of the wrestling room. He's always available. He's always reliable. And, you know, if he's going <laughs> to get some heat, I think he'll be able to handle it. Nevertheless, we need to be able to talk about these things. We need to be able to talk about these things in the wrestling community. Okay? Because the dialogue within the wrestling community, which, of course, has mainly taken place where? Social media. Not in person. Nobody's meeting in person. Nobody's having these conferences, okay? It's just people tweeting at each other, disagreeing, sniping at each other. And it's it's crazy. And it's, it's just really, really especially bothersome to me because you witness people who normally like each other. And if they were in person, they would never talk to each other this way. But since they're on Twitter... Right, Since they're on Twitter, they might as well be anonymous keyboard warriors because the fact that you're not in person, I think, gives people a little bit more of a comfort level, licensure, if you will, to insult and 
everything else. And it's like, if anybody disagrees with anybody, it's a big deal. And we ad hominem attack each other. And I mean, that's why I, by and large, don't get involved with any of it, because it's just not productive. But when you have actual conversations, maybe, maybe, even if you don't find common ground, you at least appreciate and understand someone's perspective a little more. I mean, Corey has a hard style way of speaking, at least about this. I mean, he's he's very articulate, but he also doesn't mince words. Still, sure that we will get over this somehow eventually. But until then, those of us in the wrestling community, Greco community, if you want to drill it down a little bit, we need to be able to have these conversations. Okay? It's not a problem if you don't see eye to eye with everyone. Okay? Whether that has to do with the virus, restrictions, politics. It's alarming to me how quickly people seem to fly off the handle about issues in which they, with which I should say they identify. Social media concerns. Okay, so you heard him. Luke Sheridan doesn't have any social media. He deleted all of it. So you don't have to worry about looking Lucas Sheridan up. Corey Hope, you can find Corey Hope on Instagram at Core Will Hope. C-O-R-W-I-L-L-H-O-P-E. Dennis Hall? Dennis Hall on Twitter. Okay, so Dennis Hall on Twitter has once again become a waste of your time. Even still, you want to go ahead and hit the follow button. That's at Dennis Hall WGW. Of course, you would have more luck finding Hall's perspectives, content, engaging with him by following him on Facebook at Truth of Wrestling. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to 5pointmove.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5, PT. That's it for episode 39, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.